Psalm 16. Do you notice under Psalm 16 uh, it says a mictum? If you have King James, it has a little thing there. It says mictum of David. Do you see that? Anybody? For those of you who don't, David titled the psalm before he began the psalm. A mictum of David. And then it begins. We'll just read a little bit and then we'll get into the word. Preserve me, verse 1, Psalm 16, verse 1. <clears throat> Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extends not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor will I take up their names into my lips. My, my. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, and yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou will not leave my soul in hell, and neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask your blessing to continue to flow in this service. We thank you for the honor of thy presence and for thy people that are gathered here and those listening around the world by way of the internet. Father, we thank you for your blessing, your grace, and for your power in resurrecting our Lord, which we celebrate this day, O oh Father. We thank you, O oh Lord, that he's coming soon. And we ask now, O oh precious Holy Spirit, you would lift us into the realm of the Spirit and one more time, O oh Father, visit us this morning and this evening by your grace. Help us to magnify it, the Lord Jesus Christ and to do no violence to thy word. We thank you the enemy is defeated and we will give you praise and honor and glory always by your help, mercy and grace in all God's people said, amen and amen. The Bible tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead <laughs> that uh, there was these two guys that were walking on the road to a place called Emmaus. <clears throat> they were all under a heavy sadness, something that just happened over the weekend. Basically, the Lord had been crucified. They had thought he was the king of kings. They, they thought he was the Messiah. They thought that, that maybe he was the one that had been prophesied that would overthrow the, the Roman government and reestablish the glory of Israel that they once had had under King David and, and, and Solomon. But they could not understand what it was that God was doing. They did not understand that what he was uh, accomplishing in Christ Jesus was not to establish an earthly kingdom, although that is coming. But the first enemy that he had to defeat, the first uh, ruler that he had to bring down would be the devil himself. All people were born under sin. Well, I don't believe that, Brother Marty. Well, then you come up here and preach because you're obviously the only perfect one in the house. Amen. The angels will sing as you approach the pulpit. Enjoy the aroma of the fragrance of your holiness. <laughs> Truly, though, all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, that before there was ever anyone born, inside of Adam himself, 
He contained the entirety of the human race in his genetic pool, in his DNA, if you will. Not one child had been born yet. And so when the enemy came into the garden and tempted them, and they took their will from being in submission to the Father who made them and listened and hearkened to another voice, the devil himself, it plunged the entirety of human race into sin before we had ever been born. It was as if our father and our mother had sold us to another master. So that when you and I were born, when every human was born, we were born not into the house of freedom, but we have been born into the house of slavery. Shackled to a horrific master called the devil, producing only sin because the blood that coursed through our veins was contaminated with the very virus known as sin, and so it plunged the entirety of the human race into death, destruction, and the grave. It is why, unless you know Jesus Christ, you try to live good, you try to live right, but you just struggle. You might even love the Lord and believe in the Lord and, and you want to do right, but you find that you have this other war taking place inside your life. And you, you have no idea, how can I be free? How can I be free from this addiction that plagues me? How can I be free from this anger that I have? How can I be free from the thoughts that plague my mind? And you wander the landscape of your life, unafraid to even express it to anyone, because you know inside you have no victory. But <laughs> that's what today is all about. Hallelujah. Because you have proved and I have proved that try as we might, we could not attain the victory. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, not just Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God has redeemed us. What does that mean? That means that he paid the price to deliver you and me from the bondage of a cruel taskmaster. We know you no longer, I no longer have to be under the burden or shackled to another authority because when Jesus said it is finished and I accepted it, the Holy Spirit ran down to the keys of my shackle and loosed me and let me go. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He let you go. Until the Lord came, you had no power to choose the right thing. It's the great deception of the devil. It's the reason that so many in the church struggle with so many things. Because they don't know, I didn't know, and I'm just learning more and more about it as I get older. That I have the power to choose now. Before I didn't have that power. I had no independent will. I just did what came natural. <laughs> and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> uh, oh no. <laughs> you know that old show, Kids Do the Darndest Things? Well, they should have made one about me. Marty does the stupidest things. <laughs> I didn't know. And I began to read when, when Paul started talking about the struggle he had. He said, you know, I want to do good, but how to do it, I can't find out how to do it. And even though there is within me the desire to do good, how to perform it, I don't know how. He said, huh, because when I, when I try to do good, I end up doing the very thing I don't want to do. And the thing that I do want to do, I don't do it. And I'm glad he didn't just stop there. Because <laughs> he began to reveal to us the power of what Jesus did. He, he began to explain to us that when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the thing that we're struggling 
He says, look, when I have this desire to do well, I find out that inside me, there's another law warring against me. And he says, but then I understood by the Spirit of God that it really isn't me that's doing it. <laughs> my God. What do you mean it's not you that's doing it? When I read that, I go, what are you, nuts, Paul? Of course it's you. Trying to always shift blame. He's a blame shifter. How we are? Well, I would never would have got drunk if that wife of mine hadn't got me so mad. So it really ain't me that's getting drunk. It's her that's making me get drunk. No, no. <laughs> you mean Christians get drunk? Unfortunately, just keep looking ahead and no one will know it's you. <laughs> You're making me nervous now, bro. Mean Christians do stupid things? Of course, we all do. But do we have to stay that way? That's the question. No, we don't. See, the devil knew that Jesus had broken the power of sin. And so what he, what he tried to do, because he couldn't get him to fall, was once he died, we read it last night, the world rejoiced. And then they took his body and they put it inside a hewn-out tomb. They covered it with a, with a massive stone weighing tons. They, they sealed it with a Roman seal they posted guards around it. Hmm. Why? <laughs> well, he paid the price, but as long as he stays in there, we might have a chance. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm having too much fun this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. They tried to keep him from coming out. The devil tried to keep him from coming out. Oh, if you could have heard... All the demons in hell that fell to their knees grabbed their head and had a kingdom-sized headache when Jesus said, it is finished. A scream and a wail of agony reverberated through the halls of heaven itself. As their cries reached into the throne room of God. God. <laughs> this sound of agony reverberated throughout all of heaven. But what sounded like agony to the devil and his horde, my Lord, to the angels in heaven who heard it, they knew it is finished, my God. They knew it is finished. And and so when they fell in those regions of the damned, the Bible teaches us that Jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth. That's what was going on in that three-day period. He died. The Bible says there was a great earthquake. We must understand the conflict that was taking place. The Bible says just before Jesus passed away that the heavens grew dark for two reasons. One, the judgment of God was about to be placed upon the Savior, for he took upon himself the sins of the world. And two, God his Father could no longer look at him. He took upon himself your sin and my sin. The Bible says he became sin. That is, his mortal body took upon the sin. His spirit, his soul could not be touched. I said his spirit and his soul could not be touched. That's what I was telling you last night. Don't listen to those false preachers that tell you that when he died on the cross, then he went down into hell and all the devils were stomping on him and kicking him. Are you crazy? That's not what happened. When he went down into hell itself, he walked right up to the gates of hell, spoke to them, and they crumbled. He walked into the very depths of darkness itself. And, and just to preach it good, he walked up to the devil on his throne and knocked that crown off his head and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Somebody say amen. He set me free. He set me free. Well, once like a bird in prison I dwelt. 
No freedom from my sin or myself. But then what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Jesus came. Hallelujah. It wasn't Buddha. It wasn't Muhammad. It was, but Jesus came. Hallelujah. My Lord went down into the portals of hell and stripped the devil of his power. And he took the saints and brought them with him into the very portals of glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. He set me free. Yes, he set me. I can't help myself. He set me free. He broke the bond of prison for you and me. Now what? I'm glory bound, my Jesus to see. Glory to God, he set you and me free. Somebody praise him. Somebody glorify him. Somebody magnify him. I don't have to be with this thing no more. My God has set me free by the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Going to be a preacher, young man, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Out of the mouth of babes thou hast perfected praise. Glory to God. Dedicated to the Lord this morning, already preaching his first sermon. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Paul says, I, I, I get it. When I accepted him as my Savior, understand, when you and I were born, we had no spirit our spirit was dead. That original spirit was dead. But what I did have was a soul, mind, will, emotions, attached to a dead spirit, housed by a fallen nature, my body, chained to the agony of sin and death. And as Paul would say it, without hope in the world, born to die. David said, I was altogether shapen in iniquity. But my, so powerful was the breath that God breathed into Adam that even though he fell, remember what it said? It took 930 years for him to die. By God. Even in a fallen state, so powerful, because God exhaled into him. But everyone that would be born would not have that light, that spirit. It would be attached, the soul would, to a dead spirit. And the blood that would course through everyone's veins would be contaminated and ultimately bring death upon us all. So Paul says, when Jesus rose from the dead and I believed in him, something marvelous happened. That dead spirit that's attached to my soul was removed from me and replaced with the spirit of Jesus Christ himself. Ah, uh, you didn't hear what I said, do you? It attached itself to your mind, your wills, and your emotions. The spirit of life. The Bible says, for God has sent forth the spirit of his son into you. And it's now why you cry, Abba, Father. You never called out to God before you knew Jesus. Unless you were praying at the porcelain altar. Oh, God, forgive me. I'll never drink again. Oh, God. Ah. The only time you and I ever prayed. <laughs> oh, my God. Hallelujah. But when we accepted him, the Bible teaches us he gave us the power to become something. My God. To become the sons and the daughters of God. See, now the devil, he works overtime because all we've ever been familiar with is that old carnal natural life. 
And so the Holy Spirit begins by implanting the Spirit of Christ in us and the Spirit of God indwelling us. He begins the process of moving us to being transformed. How did Paul say? By the renewing of my mind. It is a, it's an information deficit. That's all it is. And the enemy works overtime to keep us from understanding these things. It is the true message of the cross. That when he was nailed to the cross, I was nailed to the cross. But something miraculous happened. While he was hanging there, he was able to see. The Bible says there was a joy that was set before him. He saw everyone down through the years, down through the ages and the centuries, down through time itself. He saw every last human soul that would accept this great act of love and sacrifice which he paid for you and me. And when you said yes to him, and maybe you haven't yet, but if you will, you'll never be the same again. And if you have, and you're wondering why are you going through so many things and how many times you've fallen and, and, and all that kind of stuff, get that out of your mind because that's the enemy trying to confuse you to the truth of what really happened on Calvary and on the third day when he rose again. You don't have to live defeated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes all you can do is whisper Jesus, but it's enough. It's enough. There's power in that name. Why? Why do you think when you watch all them crazy movies, they don't sit there and cuss up a storm saying, Buddha this and Muhammad that. Why do them Hollywood demons always write in their scripts, Jesus this and Jesus that? Why? You don't cry out a dead man's name. They know he's alive. My God. When you accepted him, he, he came into your heart. He removed that old dead nature, that old dead sinful spirit that had died with our father, Adam. And he adopted us and entered into our very flesh being and merged himself with our soul. It's why you can hear his voice. It's why when the saints of God gather together and we begin to praise, it's really your soul and the spirit of Christ in you that's worshiping the Father. And when you feel his presence come down, that's why. Jesus told him last night, right, in the message last night, he said, it's better for you that I go away. They couldn't understand it. Blew their mind. How could it be better? I left everything for you. How could it be better if you go away? He said, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. See, I have to die. I have to be buried. I have to rise from the dead. If you'll accept what I did, the Holy Spirit will be drawn to you like a magnet. And he will, oh, you know how they do in their Pentecostal churches? Ah! That's what he does. You should be in the South, right? In the South. Them old African-American ladies will be going, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. He's like, what's wrong with that lady? Ain't nothing wrong with that lady. She's full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Hallelujah. So he, he comes into us, and he attaches himself to your soul. That's who you are. The real you that stares out at yourself when you look in the mirror, looking through the eyes. The real you is on the inside. You've been to funerals. You go to, and I was born and raised Catholic. They love having wakes and rosaries and all that. And uh, I always found it kind of weird, but they'll lay out the body there and, and, uh, and they'll want you to go look at it for four or five days. And as a child, that was pretty freaky to me. But when I went and saw the body of a loved one or someone we knew, I'd look at that body and you know even as a child, that person ain't there. It's just a shell. Because the soul has departed. The spirit, that which animates the body. So literally what it means, your soul is that which animates this physical body. 
So where has sin gone? It remains coursing through our blood. Why do you think Jesus had to empty himself of every single drop of blood? Blood. My God. To replace our corrupted blood. He gave his pure blood for you and for me. And, and so Paul says, it's no longer I that do it. He's revealing something. But it, it's sin that dwells in me. And then he clarifies and says, that is in my mortal body. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's what it said. Sin has no longer any power over your mind and it cannot touch your spirit for your spirit is the spirit of the son of the living God. the sin power or nature is still dwelling in this flesh. But the first key to overcoming it and its desires, it has its own mind. It says the lust of the flesh and the will of the flesh, the mind of the flesh. Paul said if you continue to obey it, you will die. For to be carnally minded or dictated by the appetites of this body, which is absolutely corrupted, he said to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so he reveals to us that the key to overcoming is found in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. As powerful, and I do not diminish it at all, it is the most holy of things, the ultimate sacrifice he gave on Calvary. But we would never know that it mattered. We would have, we would have uh, uh, banished him to a library somewhere and talked about what a great giving man he was and that he laid down his life. But it wouldn't matter. Just another holy man killed by an evil world. But what we, we, we have confidence in is that all three things must be present in our walk so we can have the victory. I look at his death, that is the cross, and the first thing I see is myself and what I deserved. Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that he was marred beyond any man. He was being put to death as a criminal. Well, we are all criminals apart from Christ. What do you mean, criminal, Brother Marty? We have violated the law of God. And so we are worthy of death. But God so loved the world, he said, that he made a way. Understand, this whole sin thing, this whole death thing, it was already ongoing before there was ever a universe. And that the planet Earth itself was created to become a battlefield where it could all be settled, destroyed, and defeated. Not by a man, simply a man, but more than a man, the son of the living God. So first I must see him in his death, which is not hard for any of us because we've, we know about the cross. But Paul said the gospel has three components. Four, really, but we'll just talk about three. The cross is first. I must see it, understand it, understand that I belong there, but that he took my place. Understand the horror of what our sin did to him. Because until I can be sad for what I did, I will never change or desire to change my behavior. I must look at the cross. We started out Wednesday night by talking about that pole that had a snake on it that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. And all that looked at that, that brazen serpent on that pole, when they saw it, they were healed. Well, that was a type of Christ. For he was lifted up and he became that snake. His body did. He became sin. He paid the price. Number one, I must acknowledge my sin I must look at what my sin has done, and I must look at what he did in taking my place. 
but it's not enough. That's why we can get saved, but we don't live like we should because we don't go on to the other component. We continually come back and ask for forgiveness. You're already forgiven. The power of sin has been broken. Does that mean I won't ever sin again? Well, you might. We all do. But we don't practice it. As a matter of fact, you can't do it and not be absolutely horrified at what you've done. And why are you horrified? Because of the one that lives in you. It's how you know you belong to him. So don't listen to the devil when he tells you, you've done such a horrible thing. Look at you. You're supposed to be a Christian. You were over there at Brother Dave's camp meeting, jumping up and down. Now look at you. I got, blah, blah, blah. Tell him to shut up. You feel bad because you're not his child anymore. You feel bad because you belong to Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. You should feel bad. I should feel bad. But John said, if I do sin, I have a lawyer. Hallelujah. <laughs> Better than old Johnny Cochran. Hallelujah. <laughs> that sin don't fit no more. <laughs> If it don't fit, you must have quit. Hallelujah. That's for you old timers there. <laughs> My God. You feel bad because you belong to him. So instead, the devil then tries to tell you, well, you know, you blew it. You feel bad. You can't go back over there. When I was in the world, I used to say the same thing. I used to say, you know what? They used to invite me to church all the time. I said, you know, I'll go. But I got to get right first. I gotta get my life together before I go to church. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> you ain't done it for 30 years. <laughs> what makes you think two weeks from now you're gonna get it right? It ain't gonna happen. We come to church because we can't get it right. Ah, okay. All you holy rollers out there. <laughs> But even when we come, it's not enough to just simply accept what he did. You will be saved, but there's more. There's a life that we can live. I know what I'm talking about. I couldn't find it. I searched. I had my own problems. I had my own addictions. I had all kinds of things that were plaguing me. I dared not talk to anybody about it. I didn't want to mention it. I was ashamed. I would preach to others and I couldn't preach about certain things because I wasn't free. I wouldn't pray for anyone because I was worried that I might lay hands on them and corrupt them with myself. It was bad. And like I told you earlier, I got to the point where I, was, I said, look, Lord, I'm either going to die. I had suicidal thoughts. This is for somebody. I was in a room by myself for months. I was in the dark. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I would keep all the shades drawn. I wouldn't get up because I was so full of depression. I would see my wife, my children, my loved ones. I would, I would hear the echoes of messages I'd preached to thousands and thousands of people. And the devil standing over me and saying, you're such a phony. You can't do it. It ain't possible. You might as well. And I, I don't say this with joy. I say this with a broken heart. I reached the point where I had no freedom and literally felt so alone that I wanted to die. Jesus. I don't know how long it'll... See, I... <laughs> If I was one of them modern preachers, I'd write a book and sell you my 10-part CD series on how to get deliverance. How did you, you get deliverance, Brother Buddy? Uh, I don't know. I just said, Jesus, it's enough. Were you instantly free? I was instantly free, but I didn't know it. I believed it, though. And I had been at that point laying there for five days, and suddenly he said, get up and take a shower. Even God couldn't stand how I smelled. <laughs> uh, 
look like one of them crazy Chinese dudes. I can't grow a beard or a mustache, so it just comes out like a cat's whiskers, you know? It's like, I'm just looking at myself. <laughs> but I, I cleaned myself up. I put my clothes on. And suddenly I had strength that I didn't have. And I went forward in fear and trembling. But I knew that something had happened. I couldn't define it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't understand the scope of it. But I knew that he said, even if you, if you can just barely move a foot like this, it's enough. I'll help you the rest of the way. Today, I'm preaching to you what I'm preaching to you because I'm free by the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> It took me a long time to even say that out loud because I was afraid. Don't say it because you might mess up, right? You know, I mean, no, you don't know what I'm talking about. But what did you do, Brother Marty? I began to pour myself into the Word. I began to pray, seek God. Not by my strength. Because if you do that for any other purpose than because you love Him, you'll run out of strength. But if you rely and understand that the new spirit in you, Jesus himself, he loves the Father. Let him take over. How do I do that, Brother Marty? I, I've tried that. Well, that's the problem. You, you've tried it. You have to make a commitment, but the strength will be ministered to you day by day. One step at a time. One moment, well, I did it for five days, and then I, I got tired, I didn't do it, and the devil comes and tells me I messed up, it ain't, ain't going to work. Don't listen to him. Get back up. Jesus said this, he said, he said today is, is enough for you to worry about. You start thinking long term, you ain't going to make it. You start thinking about all your, your, your people you're going to have to break connections to, you might have to get rid of some people in your life. Whatever it is that's plaguing you, it could be uh, media, it could be pride, it could be anorexia. Obviously, that's not my problem. It could be anything. But the behavioral pattern has been ingrained into this flesh because the mind was conditioned by another master. But once you got saved and saw the cross, it's the beginning. You're saved. But you can live in victory. See? Because the next phase, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, is is he, he, he was crucified according to the scriptures. And then he says the second thing is he was buried. See, the devil will use your past. He'll use all kinds of things. He's known you since you were born. That's why it's relentless. But he's got an old filing cabinet. Hmm? What you got to do is create a new filing cabinet. Uh-huh. You're a sinner, he pulls it out. On such and such day, you were down there getting drunk. Go over to your new filing cabinet. Oh, yeah? Well, on such and such date, I gave my heart to Jesus, and now I drink from the fountain of living waters. So get thee hence, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Before you know it, that filing cabinet will be so big and so full of the glory of God. Hallelujah. And that other one will shrink and shrink and shrink to where you won't even remember it anymore. It'll have been so long since you've done something weird that the devil won't even remember your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can't live just in beating yourself up all the time. It's vital to go to the cross. But then you need to let the Holy Spirit bury it. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. When the Father looks at you, 
He sees Jesus. It ain't God that's accusing you. It's the devil. My sins, they're gone at last. Gone at last. Yes, my sins, they're gone at last. I had a long streak of that bad, bad time. But my sins, they're gone at last. When the devil comes and starts talking to you, start telling him that. My sins are gone. I don't know what you're talking about. what you're talking about. He died with Jesus. And so he took it and then he put it away and covered it. Hallelujah. Buried it. Dead and gone. Well, that's just denial. Ah, you're just a dummy. You don't know the word. Oh, yes, we're saved. But now we must move on by the Spirit of God and let him bury that past. Let him bury it. Brings us to the two things that are necessary before the third thing can happen. Which is what? He rose again. Hallelujah. You will rise. You won't even recognize yourself after a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, and it's, it's God who will roll away the stone when he says it's time. Ah, hallelujah. 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 No telling what he'll do with you. But on the third day, see, Jesus represented all of us. We read it earlier in Psalm 16. I didn't, uh, the Lord has a message for us, which is what I'm preaching, but, but let's just talk about this one. He says, you won't let your Holy One see corruption. What is he saying? You will be born again. Yeah, you made a mess of your life. Yeah, all that other stuff we've been talking about. But, there, but, but, but bury it, cover it. It's gone. It's done. It's over with. But that's not where it stopped. Because now you have purpose. He will not let your life decay or corrupt away. You have something you were born to do. Whether it's the best mama you can be, the greatest businessman, the best father or husband, a preacher, a missionary, a secretary. I don't care what it is, but he made you to do something. So understand, bury that thing. You're saved. Your past is done. But he won't let your life just corrupt away. power of God will come. But you have to have these two active. The cross, the tomb. And if you could, Jesus could, but he did it for you. But the fact that he sent an angel to roll away the stone speaks to us of how when God has accomplished this in our life, he will send the power of his spirit, and he will let you out. Only when you emerge, you're not going to look up like some, look like some beat up, battered, you know, kicked around, you know, guilty. Uh -uh. <laughs> Hallelujah. You'll be shining with the glory of the Holy Ghost. You'll be walking in newness of life. Hallelujah. 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 And you don't have to go around telling everybody. They'll be able to look at you and go, you know what? That girl's different, man. I don't know what happened to her. But, oh, she found the Lord. She found the Lord. She found the Lord. Or should I say, he found us. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> We're approaching those days. Some of us will pass on. But we have that promise. We go home like Jesus went home. But the final component is that he's coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he comes back, if you just happen to leave before it's all said and done, you'll come back with him. And if you're here when he comes back, you'll rise up there to meet him in the air. <laughs> There's going to be a meeting in the air in that sweet 
sweet, sweet by and by. I'm going to meet, meet you over there in our home beyond the sky. Such singing we will hear, never heard by mortal ear. Twill be glorious, I do declare. And God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the Can you clap your hands and praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but you have a destiny that is awaiting you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet this morning? He's alive. And because he lives, <laughs> I can face tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. And today, hallelujah. Play some, play some, play some savior music. <laughs> How about because he lives? You know that one? Y'all know that one? With every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you by way of the internet as well. Right where you are, you can make an altar. I know God was talking to you around the world this morning because he was talking to me. And what he wanted me to tell you is what I told you this morning. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He looks at you through the eyes and the lens of the face of his dear son and the blood that he shed for us. So I don't know what you've done, where you've been. It doesn't matter. All of us have a story. All have sinned and come short of the glory. But we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if you will, today, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, hallelujah, you can leave assured and knowing, my sins are gone at last. Hallelujah. Walk in the freedom of his spirit and be free for Christ and the Bible says that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Brother Marty, pray for me. I don't know the Lord Jesus is my Savior, but I want to be saved. I want to receive him as my Lord. And I don't know who you are here, so I'm, I'm, I'm extending this invitation. Would you pray for me that I might be saved? Would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody? Those of you listening by way of the internet as well, right where you are, you can make an altar. You can cry out to him. You can ask him to come into your heart. Is it that simple? Yes. It begins the process. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And this next prayer I want to pray. I'm not going to embarrass you, but you've been going through some things but you felt the presence of God. You know you're saved, but you want to live in a higher victory. I guess we could all raise our hands on that, but I want to particularly, some of you have been being plagued by so many things, so many thoughts, so much depression, whatever it may be, attacks of the enemy around your families. You have freedom in Christ. Brother Marty, pray for me. I want to walk free. Would you lift up your hands so I can pray for you? All over this house, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I'm going to pray for you. And these altars are open. If you want to come forward and have us pray for you, or you can just make an altar where you are. No pressure, man. This is a day of liberty, a day of resurrection. I'm not preaching religion to you. I'm preaching relationship with Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for that. Father, I, I pray for your people now and all those that raise their hands, all those that are listening by way of the internet, that you would send the freedom and the revelation of the gospel to them. 
Satan, you take your hands off them. You have no authority. You have no authority. The blood of Jesus is against you. The Lord rebuke you. You remove your claw of depression off that line. Those suicidal thoughts, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. The Lord declares, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I speak that abundant life into your soul, into your spirit. Take control by the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of the Lamb. And I bless your children, Father. And as we sing, just take a few moments, lift your hands and ask him to come into your heart to wash away whatever needs to be washed away, to strengthen what needs to be strengthened, to let go what needs to be let go. And we love you. Don't forget 6 o'clock tonight. Spend some time in prayer. Because he Raise up shepherds that will feed them according to your heart. Bless them, O oh Lord. 